Why? One of the most powerful of questions. To search out and get at the root of all that has come together to create what we experience. To investigate the reason behind the thing that we see or the circumstance which we witness. To complement the what and the where and the how with an explanation. To find a cause or find causes for an effect. Why? Why should we live in such a hurry and waste of life? Asks Henry David Thoreau. I wish to learn what life has to teach and not, when I come to die, discover that I have not lived. Why, at its best, opens us up to learning what life has to teach. But learning can come at a price, right? Sometimes learning what life has to teach can be troubling, challenging, even disheartening. In the words of Reverend Victoria Safford, the awakened eye is a conscious eye, a willful eye, and brave. Because to see things as they are, each in its own truth, will make you very vulnerable. Sometimes simply asking why is a risk. Judging from many of the stories I've heard in you and you, you and you classes, and at other times when we come together to share reflections on our religious backgrounds, it appears that asking why for many of us led to reprimands rather than responses. We were taught in some cases that asking questions about matters of faith was not proper or respectful. There was an underlying assumption that these questions were being asked not because one sincerely wanted answers, but simply to challenge what one was asked to accept, to believe, to trust. There are other situations when why is frowned upon. When we seek for answers about what led to reprehensible acts, for instance. When people sought to provide actual information about what led to the horrible events of 9-11, they were accused of being anti-American, of providing cover for evil, of siding with terrorists, even though it was pointed out that to explain is not the same thing as to excuse. All of which does, however, raise my curiosity about why we ask why. For a people carrying on a religious tradition that delights in questions, opens itself to ongoing revelation, and encourages curiosity, we have a responsibility to engage this exploration. There may indeed be a variety of intentions and expectations that inspire our queries. Alberto Manguel writes, partly because we want to know something about the mysterious world into which we have unwillingly entered, partly because we want to understand how the things in that world function, and partly because we feel an ancestral need to engage with the other inhabitants of that world after our first babblings and cooings 
we begin to ask why. And that's all well and good. However, many times when we ask why, we are not really asking a question at all. Let's begin with those wonderful wide-eyed questions from the youngest of us. There is no doubt that many of those are motivated by genuine curiosity about this amazing and sometimes confusing world in which they find themselves. It is also true, I think, based on my own experience on both sides of that conversation, that children quickly learn that asking why, especially when taken to extremes, brings delightful reactions from sometimes baffled, tongue-tied, and frustrated parents, teachers, and other well-meaning adults. At that point, it is not so much about finding an answer as eliciting a response. Looked at philosophically, we may say that the child is helping to open the minds of the adults by gleefully pushing them past all that is answerable. Or take the famous words of Henry David Thoreau, which, with which we started the service. Why should we live in such a hurry and waste of life? Notice Thoreau does not answer this question directly in this passage and not, I think, in the whole of the book that it comes from Walden. He doesn't answer it because it is not a question that is meant to be answered with an actual reason. Thoreau is already convinced that it is a question that cannot be answered satisfactorily, which is why he poses it. By asking it, he is actually asking a series of questions. Have you noticed, he is asking, that many of us live in such a hurry and waste of life? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that we live that way as if it were a duty, as if we felt that there were really good reasons why we should live this way? Why do we do that? He has already dispensed with the idea that there may be reasons why we should live this way. He is not waiting for someone to actually answer the question. Well, we need to live in such a hurry and a waste of life because there are all these things that need to be done and all of these responsibilities that need to be met. And in order to take care of all this, we simply have to know Thoreau is not interested. He is implicitly answering the question by asking it. Can there ever even be a good reason for living in such a hurry and waste of life? No. By raising the fact that we often live this way to awareness in such stark terms, Thoreau is inviting us to agree with him that there can be no sufficiently important reason that we should live life in a waste of life. It doesn't even make sense, right? And following that recognition to realize that we have a choice. We can choose not to live this way. He invites us to realize that like him, we can choose to live deeply and suck all the marrow out of life so that when we come to die, we will not regret that we missed out on what life has to teach us. He is asking a question that he does not believe has an answer so he can raise us to a new awareness. 
He is using his why to question what we might not have ever questioned before, what we had accepted as the way it is. Now that can be a very effective way of using the question, why? But I would suggest that it can also be a dangerous road to travel. Especially if we are not clear ourselves on whether we are asking a question sincerely or not. Here's a couple quick examples from everyday life that you may have heard or may have said at some point in time. Why would you think that is a good idea? (laughs) Are we really asking why? (laughs) Or are we using a question to make a comment on what we think is not a very good idea at all? And if the latter is the case, and if after a few beats of mature reflection we still feel the need to communicate that, wouldn't it be more honest and direct to say something like, I don't think that's a very good idea. And here's why. Why do we keep fighting the same battles? Are we really asking why? Or are we simply expressing dismay over our inability to move beyond a pattern that feels stuck? Have we already decided that there is no good reason, no acceptable answer? And if so, why not simply say it is very discouraging to feel like we are always fighting the same battles? Returning to an earlier topic, remember the many people who after 9-11 asked the question, why do they hate us? They were often the same people who strongly criticized people who tried to find answers to that question. It was meant to be an unanswerable question or to be answered with a prepackaged platitude like they hate our freedom. It was not inspired by real curiosity, but born from fear and a desire to declare our innocence. What I am saying is that when we ask questions that we believe have no satisfactory answers, we have a responsibility to first inquire as to whether that is true or not. We should err on the side of asking questions out of real curiosity, out of a desire to find answers, even though we know that learning what life has to teach can open us to ways of knowing the world and loving it that will make us very vulnerable. To ask a question, to ask why sincerely is an act of courage, for there is no easy way to unlearn what we have come to see and understand. Let me offer another example. There is a famous line that is often attributed to Robert Kennedy from a speech he gave at the University of Kansas in 1968. Some people see things as they are and say, why? I dream things that never were and say, why not? His older brother, John F. Kennedy, had used the phrase in an earlier address to the Irish Parliament in 1963. 
His younger brother, Edward Kennedy, ended his eulogy for Robert with those words. Were any of you surprised to hear those words in the reading from George Bernard Shaw? Both John and Robert explicitly acknowledged that Shaw was the author. Neither of them pointed out that the words came from the character of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. I don't have a particular point here. I just think that's interesting. And I do see why they borrowed this quotation from Shaw. It offers a powerful way to move us from bemoaning the troubles of the present to dreaming of and working toward a more just and equitable and compassionate world in the future. It is meant to be inspiring. However, I wonder if we hear it as a real question. I dream things that never were and say, why not? Why not a church where race and class unite as equal persons in the search for beauty, truth, and right? Why not a society where justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream? Why not an earth made whole with all her people one? We dream things that never were and say, why not? But if we are to say that, if we are to ask that, and I don't see why we shouldn't, then we need to ask it as a real question and be open to the answers with all the risk and vulnerability that comes with that. If we are to ask why not, then we have to be open to learning about white supremacy culture. If we are to ask why not, then we have to be open to learning about class privilege. If we are to ask why not, then we have to be open to learning about the unforgivable ways which we abuse the creatures who share this earth with us and be open to hearing how we can improve our relationship to the earth itself. If we are to ask why not, then we have to ask ourselves as we get all misty-eyed envisioning peace on earth why we can't get along with the person who sits next to us in the pew. If we are to ask why not envisioning world community and loving one another across all our divisions, then we have to be realistic about just how messy, frustrating, and challenging creating community can be. If we are to ask why not, then I need to begin with myself, asking myself why it is so hard to forgive, why so easy to be offended, why so easy to deny why so scary to become aware? Why so tempting to isolate? Why so challenging to connect? Why so hard to look at me? Why so easy to think it's you? Because why, oh why would you think that's a good idea? <laughs> we dream things that never were and say why not. And when we ask why not, we are looking for real answers. Not so that we can beat ourselves up by all we have done wrong or all the things that we have left undone. But so that we can respond with a new and deeper awareness, finding the courage to see things as they are as best we can. Coming to know and love the world in a new way, knowing that love brings with it consequences. 
When we ask why, may we be open to hearing the answers. May we have the courage to face the consequences of being open to learning all that life has to teach us.